Fun Home has received 12 Tony nominations and is breaking box office records at the Circle in the Square Theater. The musical is based on Alison Bechdel's graphic memoir about growing up with a closeted gay father, of coming out as a lesbian in college, and of her father's subsequent suicide. Although this might not seem like the typical material for a musical, audiences have been rising to the occasion literally every night. Joining us now are three of its stars, all Tony nominees, Beth Malone, who plays Allison as a grown-up, Michael Service, who plays her conflicted dad, Bruce, and Judy Kuhn, who plays her mother, Helen. Welcome and congratulations. Thanks, Thank Anna. you. Thank and you were all in the original wonderful production at the Public Theater. Be honest, were you at all worried about the transfer? I was. I, I, you know, we had something so marvelous and that we loved so much and that people that seemed to be in exactly the right home. And, you know, when you move uptown, you worry about the distractions and, you know, whether it's going to be, whether they are going to have a new laser light show and, you know, <laughs> more, more sequences. And, uh, um, and fortunately, everybody involved recognized what was essentially so beautiful about uh, what we were doing. And we just kind of moved it and re reimagined it entirely. Although off-Broadway audiences tend to be younger, a bit more adventurous in the material that they seek out. And that had to have been a concern, Judy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, well, we have very smart producers who I think are also making sure we get younger audiences in Uptown as well. I, it seems looking out in the house every night, it's a pretty good mix of people. Because it was my impression when I saw it at the public that there was uh, a good part of the audience were fans of the book and of Alison Bechdel's work. Um, and she is not quite mainstream. After all, her comic strip is called Dykes to Look Out For. <laughs> to watch out for. <laughs> to watch out for. Yes. Okay. Um, but um, how, well, how do you explain the success of this, Beth? Well, uh, it is a very universal story, it turns out. You know, it, it is something that everyone is recognizing themselves in, and I think that is surprising them. I think they think they're going to this edgy, theatrical, you know, fringe experience, and what they're finding is they're, they're on that stage, you know, they're being represented in one way or another, and I feel like everyone is um, coming out um, better people. <laughs> because this is about family in the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. That's something we all relate to. Right. Whether it's this family situation or another one, uh, certain things are universal. This family is very specific, but what th they go through with each other, is the intimate um, strings that tie us all together and the way we disappoint each other and the way we remember things the way we need to. That's the way everyone. we're mysteries to each other. We are mysteries to each other, yeah. Michael, you've said that audiences react to this play the way you reacted to seeing Dustin Hoffman in Death of a Salesman <laughs> in 1984. That's true. <laughs> I, I left that that theater and made a beeline for a payphone in Times Square when there were payphones <laughs> you could find in Times Square and called my dad just because I just had to talk to my dad at that moment. And I, and the the conversations we have with people in the lobby afterwards and people linger, you know, not just to get autographs and things the way people do often in, in Broadway theaters, but because they want to talk about the show and they want to talk to us and they want to share it with us. And, and I can feel that they are moved in the same way. When it opened uh, at the public, we had we talked with a number of people, including Sam Gold, the director, 
And he, he talked about memory plays. He said to him, this play was more like Wilder's Our Town mm-hmm. than, than Tennessee Williams' Glass Menagerie. Do you see that? Oh, I'm, interesting. <laughs> well, I, in He's that, a, the narrator character is ever-present. Well, Wilder had a certain sweetness and love of small-town life, and that's kind of captured in this play as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's very true. It's it's a very... It's a very... It feels like a real community experience, I think, and, and it being in the round adds to that, but I, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, um, it does have a like it's the small details of life that Allison captures so gorgeously in the book that reveal so much about life and common experience. I think, and the play reflects all that. Is "Fun Home" an ironic title? <laughs> oh yes, yes, <laughs> it well, is, and it isn't. Yeah, well, "Fun Home" um, is the, the what the children call the funeral home, which is the family business. And they actually have a lot of fun in the funeral home, <laughs> but it is definitely an ironic title. And one of the funniest numbers is the kids taping a fake commercial for the funeral home. <laughs> uh, weren't all of the actors warned not to share the stage with children or animals? Yeah. <laughs> if we listened to W.C. Fields at all, we would have known that. I think it's because they're so real and so, you know, uh, unvarnished that if you are, you know, actory at all, it's you're going to be shown up by by the kids. Yeah, they keep us That's honest, definitely. And Sydney <laughs> Lucas, who uh, plays, she's an astonishing she's person. She's amazing. Yeah, isn't yeah. She? yeah. She, yeah. Really she is. Now, what brought you down to the College of Charleston during your hiatus to do selections from the show? There, did you expect the kind of response you got? Oh, that was an extraordinary experience. Yeah. Um, the college had. Um, well, the the, the uh, state legislature had withdrawn funds from the college for assigning the book to freshmen. Actually, they didn't even assign it. They, it was, they, it was, it was a community read, and Suggested. it was made available, and it was voluntary. And, um, and State Representative Gary Smith thought that that was outrageous, and he yes. he uh, proposed withdrawing funds. Yeah. Yes. So and, uh, were the funds withdrawn? They were, they were, and and uh, the community theater faculty reached out to our producers first, I think, to do a production of Fun Home down there, um, uh, but the producers weren't sort of releasing the rights at that time, but they said, well, maybe we can bring the cast and creative team down, which is what happened. And, we and were, Allison. And, and Allison. Allison. Yeah. That was so And what happened? Well, we did kind of a lecture demo sort of performance, and... Uh, Two groups of 750 people came from, you know, students and community members and faculty, and uh, and we sort of essentially did the show and talked about the creation of it, and it was one of the most extraordinary things I've ever experienced. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. one of those moments where you actually feel theater and arts uh, speaking to a community. And we still hear from people Yesterday. down in Charleston yeah. about how meaningful it was to them that we came down there. Yeah, and a kid showed up at the matinee yesterday and said, I was there. I was in Charleston. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And there, and there was a legislator who came to see it and spoke on the floor of the, the South mm-hmm. Carolina legislature about the experience of having been there and seen it and, and realizing, you know, that they were on the wrong side of history at this point. So this is not just a show that would do well in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it, needs, it, it needs to go to the places where... 
these kind of people are running institutions where they're they're gay by transgender kids paying tuition who are you know being completely oppressed in their own communities so that's where it is needed the most and and what was even more exciting i think uh as valuable as that is Teachers at the college also said later that other students who had no particular identification with any right. of those particular issues suddenly felt empowered to speak up in class and to be a part of the mm-hmm. discussion. I'm speaking with Michael Cerveris, Beth Malone, and Judy Kuhn, all nominated for Tonys, among the 12 Tony nominations for Fun Home, now at the Circle in the Square. Uh, and uh, I, I wonder about playing real people. Judy, as an actor, do you approach this character any differently than you would an invented or, or semi-invented character? Well, I mean, only in that there is this book, which I, I used as a reference, and I, I knew that it was drawn from Alan's, Allison's real experiences of her mother. Now, I never met Helen. Helen, is she alive? She's no longer alive. She passed away two years ago, so I never had a chance to meet her. Um, but, you know, ultimately, of course, we're doing this play, and, and Helen is portrayed in one way in Fun Home, and Allison wrote a follow-up book about her mother, and she's a slightly different person in that. But, um, I mean, there's a certain amount of kind of respect you have to have knowing that you're playing someone. So did you read those books, too, as a a form of research? Oh, yes, very much so. Beth, didn't Allison appear periodically during the incubation of the show? Did she influence your performance? uh, Absolutely, and there are several... um, points in the process where she has appeared and it usually is after a a series of very intense rehearsal weeks and at the end of it there's a presentation and then Alison Bechtel sitting in the audience (laughs) so it it, it also in the early stages it always happened sort of late where I was like oh yeah she's real (laughs) and there she is but then did you feel you had to be true to her um, you know, I I obsessively um, cyber stalked her, so I, uh, you know, th- there are a lot of uh, video blogs on the internet, and I did uh, I did watch them incessantly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, in your case, Michael, you played John Wilkes Booth, but his family and friends presumably didn't come to see they, they that didn't reach show out. No. by <laughs> No, but uh, it's funny. I I have played a, a fair number of of historical figures, and uh, and I love doing extensive research and and trolling the internet for information and and artifacts and things and with this role though because Bruce wasn't a public figure in that way and really all that the information that I had was from Allison's book I started reading the book before we we began rehearsals and I and I stopped myself thinking well this is Allison's version I need to kind of come up with Bruce's version of himself and so I, ironically, my, my you gave yourself your own backstory. Well, not my own backstory, but but it was a more intuitive kind of way into it, and I and I began more with just the text that I had that Lisa and Janine had gleaned from the book, and they're so such artists at at capturing the right moment and right detail. I kind of built from there. Didn't you actually visit the home he renovated? Yes, that was actually after... To gain an insight? Well, that was after we had done the public run and right before we began the rehearsals for here. And we visited, in fact, slept in the the house, the Bechtel home, and uh, had a guided tour from Allison and her brother Christian of of the cemetery where Bruce and Helen are buried and the farm where he grew up and the house that he was restoring when he died, which also meant 
we saw the spot where where he died, and it's it all has just added a layer of real tangible uh, uh, detail to for all of us. I think when Gene Tesori, Lisa Cron, and uh, Sam Gold were here to talk about the original production when it was at the Public Theater, they felt the staging was critical in terms of telling the story. Uh, partly because the way the memoir works is a drawing containing a scene with a comment from the adult Allison on top. Uh, You mentioned that there have been changes done in transforming this from the public to Broadway. Well, the most significant change was in the staging because we went from being in a proscenium theater to being in the round. And... You asked before whether we were nervous about about the move. We were all very nervous about the idea of doing it in the round. But You've never worked in the round before? I I personally have never worked in the round. But as it turns out, um, it works so much better in the round. And I think because, as Sam said to you before, it really is a memory play. And the the way the memories can sort of uh, come alive for Beth's character, I think works so much better in the round and yeah. and people feel that they're really inside the play with us I think yeah, the audience for my does. character the narrative is a lot easier to follow because I am projecting these memories from myself and they swirl around me now instead of me having to stand to the side to just be physically out of the way of other actors so it doesn't feel like we perform it so much as live it mm-hmm. now no that's absolutely true do you think that this is also a, a play about how art is created Definitely. Mm. Yeah. One of the things that Allison has said is she began the book thinking she was writing about uh, how her father had had died, and she ended the book realizing that she had written about how her father taught her to be an artist. And that really is a, 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 a significant thread through the whole the whole play. Is it fair to blame Bruce for the life that he has um, uh, lived in, in in this place? Well, I I think it it's it shows how how difficult it was in the seventies in a small town in America to or sixties and seventies to be a person like Bruce. Um, you know, Bruce I'm sure had his own particularities that that could have made it more or less uh, easy, but it's it was certainly not Bruce alone who's responsible for what happened. Judy and also Michael, is it difficult? To uh, to play these characters every night, there's a certain sadness in them. There is, but you know, I, I love telling the story every day. I, I truly, it's it is a such a rich and enriching experience, and the writing is so good <laughs> that it really holds you up, and it makes it easy in that way to do. I mean, it's hard, yeah, to pull up all those emotions every night, but. I find it, a, a, in the end, a joyful experience. And Michael, you did perform in the round in the past, or at least in three well, quarters at CSC in Passion, yeah, right? Yeah, I've done. Well, I, I wasn't in that production, actually, oh. but I have worked in, in a, you know, a, a real thrust three-quarter performance, but it's much different. Now, just one more thing before we go. Your ticket sales have been going through the roof since the Tony <laughs> nominations. Are you planning to stay in the show for the foreseeable future? Sure are. Yeah, I yeah. mean... <laughs> <laughs> this is an open-ended run? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, before you go, best luck at the Tonys. Thank, Thank you. Uh, you all deserve them. But, you know, the problem is 
People who are nominated all deserve it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's it's actually a really wonderful celebration of everything that's that's on stage these days. Yep. Meanwhile, Fun Home is at the Circle in the Square. The address? Um, it's 254, I think. It's West 50th Street between Broadway and 8th. My great thanks to Michael Servers, uh, who probably will not be playing that nasty state's attorney in The Good Wife <laughs> next year. Well, you know, you never know. <laughs> Michael Servers, Beth Malone... Judy Kuhn, it's been a pleasure having you on our show. Thank Thanks. you so much. He wants, he wants, he wants. Welcome to our house on Maple Ave. Have a ticket information, go to our show page at WNYC.org.